Turn with me to the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And I'm going to read the first eight verses in your hearing tonight. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And beginning with verse number 1. The Bible says, To everything... There is a season to everything. To everything, there's a season. And a time to every purpose under the heaven. Every purpose has its time. And everything has its season. And then he gives us some examples. A time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to pluck up that which is planted. Or we might say it this way, a time to sow and a time to reap. Verse 3, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to get and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to rend and a time to sow, a time to keep silence, and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time of war, and a time of peace. And so the writer lays all of this out and, and lets us know that there really is a time and a season for everything. And that every extreme has its moment. Now, before I even get into the lesson tonight, let me just say by way of introduction, it is imperative that we learn to discern the season. You don't try to reap when it's time to plant. Nor do you spend time planting when it's time to reap. You've got to learn the season. You've got to learn the time. And you have to be able to respond accordingly. Do what the moment calls for. Because if you don't, you're wasting your time and effort. If you don't do what the season is requiring, you can do it with everything in you but you're not going to accomplish 
what needs to be accomplished. It's going to be a wasted effort. Well, praise God. We have to learn what time it is, and we have to respond accordingly. And with that in mind, I want to once again call your attention to verse 8, where he wraps up this chiastic form of writing or whatever it is, this, this particular type of poetry he's using. And he, he, he concludes it with these words. There's a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. And I want to talk to you tonight about a time of war. A time of war. Would you, would you tonight, I, I don't want you just to say a few words. I really feel a burden tonight. And I need, I need the good people of God to get under this burden tonight. And to get more than just a sermon but to get a revelation tonight of what God is trying to say to the truth church on this Tuesday night. Can we lift our voices to the Lord right now, asking him to truly speak to us and asking him to use me for his glory tonight? Oh, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost here tonight in a special way. A special way. Amen. A time of war. A time of war. God bless you. You may be seated. So, as I have pointed out to you already, the writer of Ecclesiastes, and by the way, this is just a Greek word that, that means preacher. And it, it appears that Solomon was taking on the role of a preacher in this particular book, and he was trying to lay out principles 
of reality as he saw them at the moment. And as he is writing, he makes a declaration. And really, what he does in the book of Ecclesiastes is he really just, he's looking back over his life and he's giving us a summation of what he's learned about life. And, and he has learned this. He has learned that there is a season for everything. And that there is a time for every purpose. You don't just go and do what you want to do anytime you want to do it. You've got to do it at the right season. You've got to do it at the right time. And so he begins to lay these things out and he talks about a time to weep and a time to laugh, time to mourn, a time to dance, time to break down, a time to build up. He, he goes through all of these extremes and and. and and, and he, of course, he begins with a time to be born and then a time to die. Something that is a reality for every one of us. And we have no real control over either of those. Because when the time comes, it's just going to happen. When it's time to be born, it's time to be born. And friend, when it's time to die, we're not going to hold it off. These things happen in seasons, and they happen at times. In fact, the Bible says that it's appointed unto man once to die. There is an appointment we have. And there will be a day, Brother Goff, that my time will come. There will be a day that your time will come. It's just going to happen. It's a fact of life. He tells us also that there is a time to plant. Let's read again verses 1 and 2, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. Then he says there's a time to plant. And there is a time to pluck up that which is planted. Or as I said, there's a time to sow and there is a time to reap. There is the planting season and there is the harvest season. Well, praise God. If anybody ought to understand that, Kansans ought to understand that. Although we've gotten away from the whole farming mentality, unfortunately. And these people who are opposed to farming and, and, and want to shut it down, I don't know where they think they're going to get their food from. But anyhow, that's another story for another day. But I, I'm telling you that, that we ought to understand there is a planting season and a harvest season. 
And then after he lists all of these different things and he goes through these various dichotomies, he sums it up and and closes it out and he makes the statement, last of all, that there is a time of war and a time of peace. Read verse 8 for me again. Verse 8 of Ecclesiastes 3. There's a time to love, but there's also a time to hate. There's a time of war. And there's a time of peace. Now I'm going to tell you, none of us like to think about there being a time of war. But somewhere, somehow, we've got to accept the fact that such a time does exist. And that it exists in the perfect will of God. God's the one that inspired this passage to be written. And I'm here to tell you, thank God for times of peace, but there are times when God says, it's time for war. It's time to go to battle. It's not time to rest on your laurels. It's not time to be comfortable sitting in your padded pew and enjoying the air conditioning. Somebody's got to pick up some armor. Somebody's got to get a hold of some weapons. There is a time. Time of war. The unfortunate thing is too many saints hate war so much that when war comes upon us, we won't fight. And unfortunately, many don't even recognize when the time of war is. Well, I'm having problems, preacher. I'm having problems. Yeah, and you know what? A lot of times when one is having problems, nearly everybody's having problems. You want to know why? Because it's a time of war. And while you're sitting around feeling sorry for yourself and trying to lick your wounds, there's a battle raging. Somebody's got to wake up and say, wait a minute, there's a war going on here, and we're not going to accomplish anything sitting back. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost tonight. We're not going to accomplish anything sitting back feeling sorry for ourselves. We're going to have to go to war. Well, hallelujah. Saints, just like, just like we can't expect to reap when the season is for planting. And I've seen a lot of churches get discouraged. Because I'm telling you, all of these things we can apply to the spiritual man as well. There in the church, within the church, there is a season of planting. There's a time when we've just got to get stirred up and get out there and get to, to reaching out to the lost and handing out church cards and inviting people to the house of God. Many times people get discouraged because, well, nobody's coming, nobody's responding. Well, look, you've got to understand it's a time for planting. You don't reap the same day you plant. You get out there and take advantage of the season and understand now's the time that we've got to plant the seed in the hearts of people. We don't get discouraged. We don't give up. We just keep on sowing. We keep on sowing and we keep on sowing because one day the season's going to change. One day we're coming out of the planting time and we're going to start reaping a harvest. And if we get discouraged after we planted a few seeds, we're not 
going to see much of a harvest, but it will just keep planting and we'll keep planting and we'll keep planting and we'll keep planting. I'm telling you, the more you sow, the more you'll reap. He that soweth sparingly shall reap sparingly, but he that soweth bountifully shall of the Spirit reap bountifully. That's a promise from God. And we've got to plant when it's the planting season. Because when the harvest comes, we should be too busy harvesting to be out there doing a whole lot of planting. We've got to learn the seasons, church. We've got to learn to respond to the timing of God. Hallelujah. We've got to understand that during the time for war, we may want peace. We may wish for peace. We may desire peace, but it's not the time of peace. Did you hear me? When it's the time for war, we're not going to find peace. So quit looking for peace. You're going to get frustrated. You're going to get discouraged. You're going to end up giving up. You're going to throw in the towel if you're trying to find peace when it's time for war. In fact, there is a scripture that's often used that we really don't even understand the significance behind it. First time I ever heard it, believe this or not, was when I was in public school. One of my teachers quoted it. I was a new convert. I didn't know much about the Bible. I didn't even know it was in the Bible. I had to go home and look it up. But she quoted it. And I don't want to get too bogged down in all of this, but... But, but there was a situation we'd had in, our, uh, in, our, in a history class. Uh, I, was, I, was in, I was in middle school, and in a history class, the teacher, uh, who was also a coach, uh, had, had given us a test one day, and then he had to leave for a game. And, and uh, we're sitting in class. We don't have any supervision. And one of the kids gets this bright idea. He's going to go up to the teacher's desk and get the teacher's book. And, and it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a multiple choice type test or matching, I guess, really what it is, you know. And, and, and it's matching. So you got this list over here on this side, one, two, three, four, five. And over here you got A, B, C, D, E. And, you know, you got to match these between them. And, and so somebody, some kid gets this bright idea. He's just going to get the teacher's book. It's got all the answers in it. So he gets the teacher's book, and he just copies the answers, A, C, D, whatever. You know, he's just copying them down. And when he gets through, he passes to the next kid. And it circulated through the whole class. And it came to me. I said, no, I don't want it. And uh, one other uh, young lady in the church, she was Church of God. Uh, not in the church, in the, in the class. She was a Church of God. And uh, old-time Church of God that, that followed the, uh, you know, standards of holiness and all of that. And, and she, she wouldn't do it either. And so next day we come to class and the teacher said, all right, let's grade the tests. And so, so he, he, he's going to call off the answers, 
and we're going to self-grade. So he starts calling off the answers, and it was the craziest thing I've ever seen. The teacher's book was wrong, and it wasn't just wrong, it was bad wrong. It, it was things like the Alamo, and what it had matched was, you know, the first president of the Republic of Texas. I mean, it was stuff that you wouldn't even, you wouldn't even guess this. And, and he realized it's wrong, and, and yet there's this look on students' faces. And so he goes to two or three, and he realizes this whole thing is totally messed up. And he said, how many of you got these answers? He said, how many of you did not get these answers? And, and me and this other young lady, he said, the two of you are dismissed. And he, real, you know, he, he, he understood they'd copied it out of the book. And so what happened then, we went to the next class, which was our typing class. And, and somebody told the typing teacher what had happened. And it was then that the teacher quoted part of this verse. Now let's read this verse, Numbers chapter 32, verses 20 through 23. Let me back up because your mind is still on my history class. Let me tell you what this passage is all about. This is when the children of Israel get to the Jordan River. They've, they've come through the 40 years of wilderness, and, and, and they're ready to go across. But two of the tribes said, no, 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 we, we don't want to cross Jordan. We want to just stay over here. And, and Moses said, uh-uh, you're not staying over here. we got battles to fight across this river. And you stay over here. And your brothers and sisters are going to be fighting and you're not going to be doing anything. They said, oh, no, no, we'll fight, we'll fight. And so that's when Moses says what he says. So, so start again, verse 20. Moses said to them, so Moses said to them, if you'll do this thing, if you will go armed before the Lord to war, and all of you will go armed over Jordan. Uh-huh. Yes. Right? Then afterward, then afterward you shall return and be guiltless, and be before, guiltless the before the Lord and before Israel. And then you can have this land you want. And if you will not but if you will not do so, behold, behold you, have you have sinned against the Lord. Be sure and be sure your sin will find you out. Now that's the part that, that my typing teacher quoted to the class. She said, the Bible says, be sure your sin will find you out. First time I'd heard it as a new convert, I didn't know anything. I didn't know. I had to go look it up. But, but, and, and I understand, you know, it, it seemed to fit the occasion. But, but that, he, he wasn't just saying that any sin you commit is going to find you out. He was talking about a specific sin. And that sin was, when it's time for war, you shouldn't stay at home and do nothing. When it's time for war, and your brothers and your sisters are out there fighting the battle, and they're putting their lives on the line, you shouldn't be over here tending your sheep and staying comfortable at home. And if you do, I want you to know your sin is going to find you out. Moses said, this is a sin that God's going to call out. God's going to judge you for not going to war when everybody else is at war. I'm here to proclaim to you, church, there are times.
means that we've got to recognize it's time for war and there is nobody that's exempt. There are no furloughs. There are no exemptions. Nobody's getting out of this. If you're a member of the church, you're going to either fight or be killed. You might as well make up your mind. I'm going to be a part of the army of God. Whatever it takes. Whatever I've got to do. However much it costs. I've got to go to war. why the apostle Paul said what he did in Ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 through 18 oh I've got to hurry finally my brethren be strong in the Lord and the power of his might uh-huh. put on the whole armor now be strong in the Lord be strong in the power of his might and put on the what the whole armor the what the whole not just part of the armor you better put on all of God's armor. Why? That you may be able to stand against the wiles of Because if you don't have on the whole armor of God, you're not going to stand when the devil goes to war. You're not going to succeed if you're not clothed properly when the battle starts. Read. Because we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. I'm telling you, we're fighting principalities. We're fighting powers. We're fighting rulers of the darkness of this world. We are fighting against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, he says the second time, take the whole armor, the whole armor. Take the whole armor. Don't neglect any part of it. You better understand how fierce this battle is going to be. The devil doesn't just want you wounded. He wants you dead. He doesn't want you to be able to dust yourself off and get up and go again. He wants you to lose this battle. He wants your soul in hell. You better fight with everything you've got, and you better equip yourself the way the scripture tells you to. Oh, feel this tonight. Read. That you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Yeah. Having done all, Having to, done all to stand. Stand therefore. Yes. Having your loins girt about, about with truth. The breastplate of righteousness. Your feet shot with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, take the shield of faith wherewith you can quench the fiery darts of the wicked. Read. Take the helmet of salvation. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And praying always. Pray. Oh, listen. We stop before we ever get to that verse. But friend, it's still a part of the armor of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And watching with all perseverance and supplication. Not just fighting for ourselves, Brother Hilton, but fighting for our brothers and sisters. You say, preacher, I'm not going through anything right now. Well, your brothers and sisters are, and God's calling on you to get in there and fight on their behalf because next season, it might be you that's under attack. 
and they might be the ones that can fight the devil off of your back. But if you lose them now, who's going to defend you when you're down? I'm telling you, we got to pray and persevere and supplicate for all the saints. If I've ever felt anything, I feel this tonight. If we're going to stand against the wiles of the devil, we've got to take on the whole armor of God. The whole armor of God. Not just part. Not just the, the things that we like. But the whole armor. The whole Praise God. Now, now I'm telling you that we've got to recognize when we are in a time of war. We've got to know the season. Now, there's another problem because there are times when God wants peace in the church. And some people start a battle. And that's the time God's wanting to bring peace to everybody. But there are times when it's a time of war and people want to come in, unfortunately, and just go through the motions of having church. Just coast through. Let the song leader and the praise team do all the work. I showed up. I did my part. I'm here. What more do you want? I'll tell you what I want. I want you to fight. That's what I want. And I'm not the only one. God wants you to fight. God doesn't want you staying on the east side of Jordan tending your sheep while your brothers and sisters are fighting. When it's a time of war, everybody's got to gird themselves and prepare themselves and arm themselves and everybody's got to fight. So how do we know when the time of war is? How do we know? Well, you know, I, I've often said you can learn so much about God if you'll just study the patterns that are laid out in the Scripture. God taught us so much. Everything, the Apostle Paul said, everything that happened in the Old Testament happened for our sakes upon whom the ends of the world has come. Everything that happened to them was given as an example for us. And, and all we got to do is go back and look at some things, and we learn. Because, you know, I've said before, a lot of people want to take the term the promised land and apply that to heaven. But, but really, the promised land is not a type of heaven. It's not. Because when they got to the promised land, they had battles to fight. They suffered losses. That's not going to happen when we get to heaven. Canaan was not a type of heaven. It's a type of living for God. Well, and so if we'll go back and look, because that's the type. I mean, all, everything about it, it's a type. You go to Gilgal, 
before they crossed, there was the shedding of blood. They had, to, they had to go back and do the circumcision that was necessary because they'd failed to do it for 40 years while they wandered. There was shedding of blood. That's a type of repentance. And then they had to come through the Jordan. And that's a type of baptism. So what's left? The promise. The promise is unto you and to your children. What promise? The promise of the Holy Ghost. That's what going into Canaan is. It's receiving the Holy Ghost. So if that's the typology, receiving the Holy Ghost, then we should be able to look at what happens when they get into Canaan land and learn some things about this life in living for God. So let me show you something that I saw as I looked through the scripture for a pattern. When is it the time of war? Well, here's what I found. Look at Judges chapter 6, verses 3 through 6. Judges 6, verses 3 through 6. So it was when Israel was sown. When Israel had sown. The Midianites came up. And the, Amalekites the Amalekites came up. Uh huh. Yeah. They had against them right. And destroyed the increase of the earth. They destroyed the increase of the earth. Till thou come under Gaza. Uh huh. Left no sustenance for Israel. Right. They, they came, are you hearing me? They came in hordes and set up camp. We're about to do battle. We come to bring you down, Israelites. Read. Both they and their camels were without number. Uh-huh. And they entered, they into, the entered into the land to destroy it. And what happened? Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. Now, when did they come down? What did it say in that first verse that we read? They came when? When Israel had sown. They came at planting time. The enemy came to fight against them while they're trying to plant some seeds. While they're out there trying to do what they need to do, that's when the enemy came down. You know why? Because the enemy knew if I can stop them from planting, if I can destroy the ground before the seed takes root, if I can somehow stop them from, from doing what they're doing, they won't have a harvest. They won't have anything to eat. They're going to starve to death if we can stop them while they're planting. The devil never wants our efforts to succeed. He knows if he can steal the seed before it takes root, there will be no harvest. And Jesus warned that this very thing would happen. Matthew 13, he gives us a parable of the sower and the seed. And look at what he says in Matthew 13, verse 4. When he had sown, some seeds fell by the wayside, uh -huh. and the fowls came, and devoured them up. Now listen, here's what he said. He said... As soon as they sowed the seed, here come the birds. And they're going to eat that seed up. 
because they don't want that seed to take root. They don't want that seed to do anything. And I'm telling you, church of the living God, the same thing happens to us. We get out there. We hand out flyers. We invite people. You know what goes on? The devil starts attacking. That's a time of war. If we're going to plant, we got to understand the devil's going to bring war while we're out there planting. We cannot get discouraged. We cannot give up. We got to keep planting and keep planting. We got to let the devil know we're not stopping. We're not going to back up. We're not going to shut up. You're not going to win, devil. This is our future. If we don't plant, we've got no future. True church, I don't care how excited we get on Sunday night. If we're not out there planting when it's planting time, we've got no future. Somewhere down the road, every one of us are going to be dead. And what are we going to have sitting on the pew? We've got to get out there and plant now. We've got a future that's dependent on us. There are people out there that have got to come into the church. We've got to reach them somehow when it's time to plant. That's one time of war. Just get ready. We get stirred up. We get, we get moved to get out there, Brother Nelson, and get involved in outreach. You can count on it. When the church really gets under a burden to reach the lost, count on it. Saints, don't drop your guard. Listen to your pastor. I'm not just trying to preach a pretty sermon tonight. I'm trying to help you to get a revelation of some things. When we get out there and we start planting seeds, we've got to just brace ourselves. The devil is going to come. And he's going to fight. And he's going to do his best to destroy every effort we make. So the second time of war that I see in the scripture, let's go to 2 Samuel 23, verse 11. Where was a piece of ground? Full of lentils. Full. Full. Everyone say full. Full, full of lentils. And the people fled from the Philistines. Now when would the ground be full? The ground is full of lentils. There's not just a few, but the ground is full of lentils. So what, what season is that? That's harvest time. So now here comes the enemy at harvest time. It's time to reap. We made it through the planting. We put some seeds in the ground. We've tilled the soil. We've watered the seed. We've fertilized it. We've worked with it. And now the harvest is ours. We just got to go out there and reap it. But when the time comes to reap, I'm telling you, you better arm yourself. You'd better brace yourself. You'd better gear up and get ready for battle. Because if we succeed planting seeds the devil does not want us to reap anything that we planted 
Now, if there was a ground full of lentils, then I believe there was also some ground full of barley and some ground full of wheat and some ground full of grapes at the same time. But I don't find anybody concerned enough to go to battle over the barley and the wheat and the grapes. But thank God there was a shammah. And he said, no, no, Philistines. You're not taking this bean field. This is more than just a hill of beans. This is how my family's going to live. This is how we're going to survive. We've worked too hard and we've worked too long to reach this point. We're not giving up now. I'm telling you, the devil hates harvest time for the church. He hates harvest time for the church. He hates harvest time for the church. I don't know how many times in 27 years of being here that I've stood on this platform or the one that stood here before this one, before we remodeled this, and I've declared to the church, we are on the verge of a breakthrough. We're on the verge of a breakthrough. And I've said it, I've said it through the years, but how many times through the years have I made that statement and then all of a sudden breakthrough doesn't come? You want to know why it didn't come? I can go back and point you to the time. I can show you. All of a sudden, when it was time to reap, Brother Hall, when it came time for us to start having an ingathering of souls, the devil started stirring things up, and the devil started creating problems, and the devil went to war, and unfortunately the saints of God sat back and just gave him the bean field, just gave him the barley, gave him the wheat, gave him the grapes. Here you go, devil. I'm not fighting now I'm calling on the true church it's time for war it's time for war we gotta go to battle we gotta fight the devil we gotta get angry about this we gotta make up our minds we're not losing this one we're not gonna give up on this one No, devil, not this time. You may have done it many times in the last 27 years, but not this time, devil. Not this time. It's not going to work. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, if he can't stop us from planting, he's going to do everything in his power to stop us from reaping. Because you only have a limited window to reap. And I don't care how bountiful the crop is. If you don't get it in, 
When it's ripe, you lose it. You got to gather at that moment. You can't decide six months from then, oh, yeah, we better get out there and get that. You can't wait three months. You can't wait. When it's harvest time, you got to get out there and get it then or you're going to lose it. And so you know what the devil does? He comes in and he gets us distracted and he gets us mad at one another and he gets us upset about little old things and he starts bothering us and distracting us and worrying us and attacking us and, and, and all of a sudden we got to work overtime and all of a sudden we, we got family that wants us to come visit and all of a sudden we got all kinds of things vying for our attention because he knows it's harvest time and the last thing he wants is for the church to come together. The last thing he wants is for us to get in here and reap the harvest God's given us so he's going to do everything he can do to try to destroy the harvest again 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 Jesus told us about this Matthew 13 we go back to this parable the sower and the seed we see the same thing here Matthew 13 verse Seven. Some fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprung up and yeah. choked them. So here they are trying to grow, and boy, all of a sudden, every distraction, every problem. And the harvest is destroyed. It's exactly what I've seen the devil do time and again. But I hope somebody walks out of here tonight with a determination. And listen, church, it's got to be more than an Amen. It's got to be more than a lap around the church. It's got to be more than standing to your feet. You, you're going to have to do something about it. You're going to have to walk out of here and say, if I've got to stay up all night and pray, if I've got to fast for the next seven days, whatever it takes, devil, you're not getting this harvest. You will not succeed this time around. I don't care what it costs me. I don't care what I've got to do. I don't care what price I've got to pay. You will not succeed. I need a shama. Is there a shama in the house that cares about the bean patch, that cares about the barley patch, that cares about the wheat patch? And then there is one other time that the enemy comes in. One other time that he comes in, and, and, and again, church, when we start, listen, whenever you hear me say, there's a harvest at hand, you better arm yourself then. Just recognize it. It's not the time to coast. It's the time to fight the devil. Don't fight one another. Fight the devil. Because if we fight one another, the devil will just walk in and take what he wants. Well, I gotta hurry. I gotta hurry. So the third time that I see in Scripture that the enemy would come against Israel, back to Judges chapter six, we went back there for our first one. But let's look at another one here. This is Judges chapter six. And this is a time when God is raising up a judge because Israel's in trouble. And the enemy is coming against them. And God's got to have a man that will rise to the occasion. 
and fight the enemy for the people of God. And so let's see what season this is. Judges chapter 6 and verse 11. There came an angel of the Lord. He sat under an oak. He sat under an oak. Uh-huh. And that pertained unto Joash. Uh-huh. By his right. And his son Gideon. His son Gideon. His son Gideon did what? He threshed wheat. Now, you see, threshing is what you do when the harvest is finished. Threshing is where they go in and they get rid of all the bad stuff. And they get rid of all the chaff. And they clean things up. And they purify the harvest they've just taken in. That's the threshing season. And it was threshing season that God sent an angel and said, we need somebody, a mighty man of valor, to stand up and go against the Midianites. They came in at planting time, and, and they were able to get by with it. But now, now we've come through a harvest, and now we're cleaning up the harvest, and I need somebody to stop them while this cleanup's taking place. Because they want to steal everything that's been harvested. See, they want to come in and get all of the new grain and take it back home with them. Are you following my analogy tonight? So harvest comes and we pray some folks through. And you know what the devil does? The first thing he does is when we start trying to clean them up. That's what threshing is. When the word of God starts going forth and says, now look, you don't need to act this way. You don't need to dress this way. You don't need to do that. You know what's going on? It's threshing time. The harvest has come. We've gained some new uh, 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 elements. And now it's time to do some threshing. It's time to do some cleaning up. And I'm going to tell you, we better arm ourselves at that moment because the devil's going to do everything he can to upset those new converts, to confuse those new converts. He's going to do everything he can to get them to the place they don't want to hear it but we got to recognize what's going on it's the enemy's attempt to steal the harvest is anybody hearing this preacher tonight let's go back and see this again in the parable Matthew 13 verses 5 and 6 some fell, upon the some fell on stony places they didn't have much earth, so they're just brand new. See, they don't have a whole lot of root right now. And they started, there, there's a harvest that's trying to come up right now. Right? When the sun was come up, they were scorched. Now watch the sun. It's the light. Where do we get light? The Bible says the entrance of thy words giveth light. It's when the word is going forth that the sun is bearing down on that, uh, that we're starting to harvest now. Here's the way Jesus explained it himself. Matthew 13, verses 20 and 21. He that received the seed into stony places, that's the one that hears the word. And he receives it. See, this is part of the harvest. They've received it. They're glad about it. But they haven't established roots yet. They last for a little while. But then listen, tribulation, 
or persecution ariseth. Why? Because of the word. Because of the word. By and by, they're offended. My friends don't like this. My family's not happy about this. Persecution arises because of the word. But listen to me, honey. When that persecution comes, don't let the devil steal what God did out of your life. And saints, we can't let the devil steal them. We got to go to war. We got to fight against this. I need some prayer warriors. I need some people to fast. I need some Gideons. We know the story of Gideon. And we know he started out with 30,000. With 30,000, he started out, uh, he lost all of these folks until he got down to just a handful of people. It wasn't a big crowd, but I want to tell you this, it wasn't Gideon by himself. It wasn't Gideon alone that destroyed the Midianites. But a group of people got it in their mind and they began to proclaim the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. We're fighting for God and we're fighting for our leader. We're going to stand behind him and we're going to war. And the Midianites were trembling in their boots and they defeated Midian. You know why? Because that little handful became united behind God and their leader and they went to war. Oh, come on. Can I get an army in this place tonight? We don't have to be a hundred. We don't have to be a thousand. If I could get 30 people that would say the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. Gideon, you're coming down. You're not going to win anymore. You're not stealing from us. Not at planting time. Not at harvest time. Not at threshing time. You're not going to win. My Lord, my Lord, my Lord. Oh, I feel this, church. I hope you're feeling what I'm feeling. I hope God is using this message tonight the way he used the words of the prophet Ezekiel. And I hope that what walked in as dry bones walks out as a dread battalion tonight. I hope there's a shaking. I hope there's a coming together. I hope that we have an army rise up out of this service and say it's not going to be the same at the Truth Church anymore. I've got, 
I got a whole Bible study in this that I'm not going to have time to get to tonight. I don't know if I'll come back next week and teach on it or not. But I got to look, and there's a particular verse of Scripture where God named seven nations that the Israelites have got to conquer. And it was interesting to me when I started looking at those seven nations and what they represent. I don't have time for that tonight. Maybe we'll come back and do it next week. Maybe we won't. I don't know. But, but there's some significance in those seven nations. The things that the Bible enumerates that, that Israel was going to have to fight in order to conquer the land. I'm not going to go through any of that tonight. I'll save it for another time, maybe. Maybe it's just something I needed to know. We'll wait and see. But I'm going to close with a verse of Scripture. I want to ask you tonight, why should we sit around and let the devil determine when we're going to fight? Why should we spend all of our time on the defensive? Waiting for him to attack. Waiting for him to throw the first blow. He's already thrown several punches. Some of you are reeling from some of the punches he's thrown. I know whereof I speak. Some of you are reeling from the punches he's already thrown. How much longer are we just going to sit back? But I want to know why does he get to decide when it's time for war? You know, here's something I want you to think about. I'm closing with this. I really am. We go back to the Old Testament typology. Israel's first and perhaps greatest victory in the promised land was at Jericho. That's the one most of us know about. We can talk about Hatzor. We can talk about all these other places they overthrew. Most of us, if people know anything about the conquest of Canaan, they know about Jericho. It's the most famous, if nothing else. But I really think in a lot of ways it was also their greatest because it was miraculous all the way around. God brought the walls down. And as I pointed out in, in a previous lesson months ago, he didn't just bring them down. He brought them down in such a way they became a ramp up to the city on the hill and let every man go straight up before him into the city. And God used what the enemy had tried to erect as a defense. God used it as a tool of offense for the people of God. You talk about a victory. You talk about a miracle. You talk about rejoicing. But I want to ask you, do you happen to know when that battle took place? Do you know what time of the year it happened? You ought to know. Joshua chapter 3 and verse 15. This is the last scripture on the list. Read for me. As they that bear the ark come unto Jordan. The feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped in the brim of the water. For Jordan overfloweth all his banks all the time of harvest. Here's what I love. God said, we're going to set the precedent. It's harvest time. We're going to be the ones who start this war. 
We're not sitting back waiting for the enemy to come get us. We're going after them at harvest time. Oh, come on, true church. I've been proclaiming to you there's a harvest right here. There's an open door set before us. God is ready to give us souls. We're seeing visitors come. We're seeing things happen. Are we going to wait for the devil to steal it? Or are we going to go out there and take our land? Are we going to take what God said was ours? It's time. It's time, it's time, it's time, it's time. The harvest is ours. Let's put our feet in the water. The harvest is ours. Let's get a hold of the ark. The harvest is ours. Let's start marching around Jericho. The harvest is ours. Let's lift our voices in a shout. Let's believe God is going to do what he said he would do. It's a time of war. It's a time of war. It's a time of war. So let's go to war. Let's fight. Let's give it everything we've got. Come on. Come on. We got to do more than just stand around. Come on, saints. We got to do more than just stand around right now. We got to do some battle in the spirit. We've got to let the devil know we're serious about this. We've got to go to war. Devil, you're not winning. You are not winning. You are not going to win this time. I'm going to fight you with everything that's in me. If it costs me my life, I'm not giving up. I'm not giving in. I'm not quitting. Be bold, be strong, for the Lord our God is with thee. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. Come on, where are you, Gideon? Where are you, Shama? Your families are at stake. Your loved ones are at stake. That's a part of the harvest God promised us. Are you willing to fight for them? Are you willing to fight for them? Don't be content on the east side of Jordan. It's a time of war. It's a time of war. It's a time of war. Oh, come on, come on. I need some people to get a hold of God. I need some people to pray. I need some people, amen, to intercede right now. I need some supplication going on in this house. I can't do it alone. I can't do it alone. doesn't take a lot, but I've got to have some soldiers behind me. Come on, I feel it. I feel it. Come on, saints. I feel it. 
I feel like we're starting to get there, but let's not quit now. Let's not give up this easy. Come on. Come on, devil. Devil, we rebuke you. Devil, we bind you. We are coming after you. We're coming for this city. God's promised us this city. We're coming for this city.